Welcome to the Hydric and Struggles Leadership Podcast. Hydric is the premier global provider of senior level executive search and leadership consulting services. Diversity and inclusion, leading through tumultuous times, and building thriving teams and organizations are among the core issues we talk with leaders about every day, including in our podcasts. Thank you for joining the conversation. Hi, I'm Leila Coffey, Principal at Hydric and Struggles London office and a member of the Legal and Corporate Officers Practice for Europe and Africa. In today's podcast, I'm talking to Chris Bourne, General Counsel and Company Secretary of FTSE 100 Whitbread PLC, a multinational hotel and restaurant company headquartered in the UK. Chris joined Whitbread in 2015. As well as serving as General Counsel and Company Secretary, Chris has responsibility for the sustainability function within Whitbread and is a member of the Executive Committee. Chris, welcome and thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Could you talk to me a little bit about how Whitbread developed the strategy around around ESG um, and how, I suppose, you and the legal department have contributed to that strategy? I joined the business at the end, towards the end of 2015, and we already had a sustainability programme at the time. It was called Good Together. And at the time, Whitbread was made up of two quite distinct businesses. There was Costa Coffee and the Premier Inn hotel business. And we had little pockets of really good practice in sustainability across each of those businesses. But the issues were different but we weren't making anything of it corporately. And it was very sort of disparate in different parts of the business. So someone was interested in charitable fundraising. So they really pushed that. Someone else was interested in coffee cup recycling. So they were pushing that. So it was all a bit um, sort of scattergun. It wasn't very strategic. It wasn't adding any value really to either business. And we weren't communicating it properly across the business either and to shareholders and other stakeholders. So I could actually see there was an opportunity to create some value. But it was more about how could we pull this together? How could we add value to the, to the business and make it strategic and try and embed it through the business, create something that was motivating for our staff, so helped you know, get people into the business, hire people and retain them would be interesting for customers because, you know, customers are interested in this as well. A lot of our suppliers were as well and shareholders. So it just felt like the right thing to do. We did some focus groups with staff and with customers. We spoke to suppliers, we spoke to shareholders and analysts. We spoke to NGOs, people that knew about the sector. It was, it was effectively a a materiality assessment. So what are the most material sustainability issues affecting our business? How could we align that to our strategy? And what were people in the business and customers most worried about from a sustainability perspective? And we brought all of that together. And because we're a hospitality business, you know, we're we employ 35,000 people in our own right, and you can multiply that by five or six in the supply chain. You talked about how it started as pockets of people that probably felt passionate about those areas and were driving it. How yeah. have you been able to keep the passion when you've formalised it, built it around strategy, 
How do yeah. you combine that? Because I find a lot of clients rely on people's passion to drive um, yeah. E, S and G through the, through the organisation. Where, where I think companies sometimes get this wrong is that they end up thinking everything has to be done from the centre or you have to have some very large central group really driving it. And I don't, that is not going to work in our culture. So the way, the way I positioned it was that this, I have a small central group that comes up with this sort of framework and it's then embedded and delivered through the business. So the people side, the, the opportunity side or the S side, in, if you like, in ESG, that's really delivered by the HR teams, by the operational teams on the ground. And I think that's important because you then retain that passion. You keep the, you keep you keep it where it belongs in the business. So you've got people who can deliver your strategy in the business, and they're the ones that have the passion for it. And as long as you make it relevant to the business and align it with strategy, and they can see it's adding value, then they're they're perfectly happy to sort of do it, and they retain their passion. I'll give you an example. We did a recent survey, uh, engagement, staff engagement survey, the last one we did. We, are, we always ask questions about our ESG strategy, our force for good strategy. And in the most recent survey, 92% of our staff said it was either important or very important that we had a good sustainability strategy. It was the, it was the highest score on the whole survey. It was the thing people agreed on the most. And that tells you that it's really important to people. And we know it's important to people as they come into the organisation, particularly young people. Um, you know, we recently did a survey of our corporate customers and 90% of corporate customers told, told us that it was really important that we had a strong position on sustainability and that they were pressuring us to, you know, to explain what we were doing more on sustainability. Um, I think two thirds of our suppliers have a net zero target of some sort. So once you get to a certain certain point, you, you can see how it can add value into the business then, and you position it in that way. We're actually starting to see it help drive sales now, mm-hmm. which, is, which is exactly how it should be. If we look at your role as the company secretary who is guiding and steering the, the board, how are you supporting them with upskilling in this particular area? So they're thinking about it and they're asking the right questions of the executive. I do two deep dives a year with the board into sustainability. And I did one, I did one uh, at our board meeting in October. So we'll do a sort of 45 minute session with the board We'll do 20 minutes of sort of this is this is where we're up to. I'll do it again in March and we'll probably focus on the materiality assessment and strategy and things like that next time. I then do a monthly report to the board, which includes sort of legal updates and things like that. But I also do sustainability. So what is what's going on in our business and what's new in sustainability to keep make sure everyone's up to speed. How big is your sustainability team? Well, there's four in the sustainability. So it's me plus four who really drive the strategy. But as I said, it's embedded through the business. So, you know, it's the HR team and the operational teams that are really delivering on the people programmes. It's the operational teams that are delivering 
a lot of the charitable fundraising, even though we we actually come up with some of the events that we organise. Um, you know, the restaurants team are doing, um, they're doing uh, menu development. We focus more on the environmental stuff because we have some technical experts. So we drive more of the environmental performance, the carbon reduction programs to do that, uh, as well as uh, recycling, eliminating single-use plastics and reducing food waste. We really drive and concentrate on those programs because that, that, doesn't, that doesn't have a natural home in the business. Mm-hmm. So we really work with the construction teams. We work with the property teams, the estates teams um, that manage our property, the procurement teams, you know, really closely um, to make sure that sustainability is embedded in, in, mm-hmm. in everything we do. So, and then, and then what I've encouraged the lawyers and the legal team to do is to get as involved as they want to in it. So I've got a, the guy, I'll give you an example. Um, the general counsel I have in the UK business who looks after Premier Inn, he, um, he wrote our TCFD report this year. Um, he chairs our disability network. Um, one of the other lawyers in my team, she chairs our race, religion and ethnicity network um, I chair our LGBTQ plus network it's you know I just it's, it's brilliant to see the legal team sort of getting involved and it, it is this natural extension of of the role it gives you you know it gives you something else to to focus on as well as the as well as the day job and fitting it in isn't always easy uh, particularly when you're busy you know I found you know, just when we started, just after COVID hit us back in 2020, I mean, we did a we did a rights issue, and that was, you know, I pretty much had to drop everything to do that, you know, for three or four months. So, you know, but I just had no, I just had these things, these things happen. I just had no, I just had absolutely no choice, and it was probably longer than three months anyway. Um, but that's that's life. That's life. You know, that's you have to cope with that and. You have to have good people around you who can pick up the slack if you're not involved. If we look at the last 12 months, we've got the Ukraine conflict. We've got energy security, inflation, supply chain issues, which I appreciate have been ongoing for a good few years now. Does that need a flexible ESG strategy? Yeah, um, I don't think the strategy's changed, but I do think the tactics that we've adopted has changed. I think, I don't think there's anything wrong with the strategy. I think the strategy is a good one. The program, the the overall structure of the programs we have are the right ones. But I'll give you, I'll give you an example. We buy 100% renewable electricity. The cost of that has gone up. Now the cost of all energy has gone up. We were, we're 100% hedged this year with our renewable electricity. So the cost of electricity the the energy we buy itself has not gone up but you get these at the end of the year you get these certificates to which give you assurance that you've purchased 100% renewable electricity the cost of providing those those certificates have gone up it's gone up massively so I think this is where the rubber sort of hits the road with your program and we had a debate about because we could at the time of, of, of not 
taken the certificates, would it, which would have meant we weren't, we couldn't get the assurance that we were buying renewable electricity. Now that would have driven a bit of a coach and horses through our force for good strategy. And we had a not a very long debate about whether to stay with the strategy or pay the extra money. And we decided to pay the extra money and stay with the strategy. So, so that's one example. We probably spent more time this in the last two or three years on the S side of ESG, just because COVID, the impact of COVID on our staff, on mental health programs, the importance of diversity and inclusion, uh, the cost of living crisis and supporting people through the cost of living crisis, which included making top-up payments to people from their furlough so that they could live during COVID. We've topped up hourly, hourly rates we pay you know, quite significantly ahead of national living wage now. And we're making some one-off energy payments this year, one-off payments to support rising energy costs this year to hourly paid team members. So we probably spent more time on the S, but I don't think the, the strategy hasn't really changed. It's just you have to be flexible and open to new ideas as to how to you know, address the problems that face you. It's, it does feel like quite an uncertain world at the moment. So I think being true to your values and true to um, you know, the vital sort of programs you have through the difficult times say more about you as a company and more about your culture than, than when times are easy. So I think I would, I think you find out more about the character of people around you when times are really, really tough. And I think it's the same, it's the same is true of companies and good companies manage through these things effectively, but they stay true to their, their principles and their values and treating people in the right way and looking after the environment around us and the communities we operate in is just a really important part of what we do now. And have you found that your shareholders have been supportive of some of those things which are going to cost the business money? Some of them cost money and some of them save money. So I know it's a silly example of this, but um, we replace. <laughs> you'll laugh we replaced all of our toasters in our hotels this year it cost three hundred thousand pounds to replace the toasters and we've saved four hundred thousand pounds in in energy wow so some of these energy management systems we're putting in save significant sums of money and that they're, they're some of our highest returning capital investments so I think shareholders understand that there are some additional costs because everyone's got additional costs. But they also, when they, when they can see the opportunity, they also understand that actually this can add value and it makes for a better business long term. You know, we're just trialing, we've got 40 hotels at the moment where we're trialing air source heat pumps rather than gas boilers. Mm-hmm. Now, they're a bit, they're more expensive to... Yeah install but they're saving we're getting sort of 15 to 20 percent savings in energy at the moment so those things do have a payback the technology will improve they'll come down in price so they're quite expensive at the moment you wouldn't want to retrofit them in your whole estate but i think it's important to trial these things and shareholders like that they generally speaking like 
you know, companies that invest and it's a combination. There is a bit of extra cost, but it, 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 it does. When you say, and when you say 92% of corporate customers want to know what you're doing on sustainability and, you know, you're, uh, you, it's improving your staff retention. They go, oh, I can actually, I can see how this really benefits the business. And it's, you know, I'm hoping it will create a sort of halo effect on the share price. What keeps you awake at night in relation to, to ESG and what's on the horizon? Um, I, don't think I don't think there's much that keeps me awake on ESG. Um, there, are a few, there are a few things I worry about, though. Um, I mean, for, first of all, a lot of the target for a lot of the targets we're set we've set we're dependent on third parties delivering things for us so you know we have a scope three carbon target for example which is on, in our supply chain so we we have a target to eliminate single-use plastic in our business um we have a target to reduce food waste by 50 percent for for all of those things we're dependent on third parties you, you know doing doing things to to their own businesses that are going to help us achieve those targets so that brings when you're in control of your own destiny it's you're slightly more you know at least you've got choices and you know what those choices are and you can see it in front of you so it feels inherently more risky when you're dealing with you know people that don't necessarily see the world in the same way you know we've got over 2,000 suppliers in the UK some of them are big businesses and some of them small businesses so not everyone sees life in quite the same way. What advice could you give to other general counsel who really want to actively contribute to their ESG goal, strategy and execution? Talk about kind of how they get buy-in, how they develop it, because I think as we spoke earlier, it's quite different from organisation as to organisation, how these things have evolved. Are there any tips and tricks you can give us of things where you've gone, that really worked? Well, I, I think the most important thing is to make it really business focused and simple and, and commercial uh, as a line to strategy as you can make it. But if you can make it, if you can find a way of making it embedded through the business to make a difference to, you know, what, what people are doing so they can see a tangible improvement in, in their area of expertise, whether that's operations or finance or HR or whatever it is. If you do it that way, I, I think people just naturally are, you know, more attracted to, they're more likely to, to buy into it. Chris, thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Thanks for listening to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast. To make sure you don't miss more future shaping ideas and conversations, please subscribe to our channel on the podcast app. And if you're listening via LinkedIn, Twitter or YouTube, why not share this with your connections? Until next time.